Welcome to my mom's podcast. Hi, I'm Marisa Calderon, and you're listening to the Early Childhood Journeys podcast. I'm capturing the early childhood journeys of educators, including discussions and strategies on best practices for children, birth through third grade, and sharing them here for you. In today's podcast, I interview fellow Alessi Group Early Childhood Consultant, Deborah Everett. Debbie has been a longtime early childhood educator. She has many years of experience. She's been a past administrator, a teacher, including for preschool children, school-age children, and is currently a consultant and college instructor now that she's retired. I should also mention that Debbie has been serving as my unknowingly role model through my own early childhood journey as it's been a real treat working with her as we've traveled together across Arizona providing consulting services for Alessi Group's kindergarten experience project. We're now in the phase of helping kindergarten educators transform their kindergarten classrooms or I like to call it flipping classrooms uh, for those teachers that have attended previous kindergarten trainings. In uh, our work I often get asked how we do that. What's our thinking behind the classroom furniture, how it's moved. So I thought it was a really great opportunity to interview Debbie on this topic, and um, hopefully you enjoy it too. Um, this is Debbie. Uh, I uh, I came into I I was a kindergarten teacher for a number of years, and before doing that, though, I worked in preschools. And in preschools, it's very common to, the first thing that you do is you look at your room arrangement. And um, you you sit there and and think about what kind of centers do you want to have? What do you need to create those centers? How are you going to keep the children engaged in those things? What kind of materials need to be in there? Uh, And I think that all of this uh, just plays so much into what we're doing in the kindergarten as well. When I first went into the kindergarten, that's all I knew. So I set up my classroom in a way that was very similar to the way I had been setting up my preschool classrooms. The difference was that kindergartners are older, and so I had to ramp it up a little bit Mm -hmm. and think about where, where they were developmentally. But that same idea of how do we set up a classroom and what does it say to them by the way that it's set up and and them being the students themselves. Yeah, yeah. Um, So obviously Debbie has a ton of experience uh, doing this. And I'd like to state for the record that I believe we have uh, collectively flipped over 20 classrooms. Mm -hmm. The last time in March I did um, my classroom, my little report, and I counted 17 at that time. And I know we've done more, more since then. Um, 17 or 18 if I remember correctly so we've we've done a lot and I think it's been since last I want to say last summer mm-hmm. when we were in Tucson I yeah. think we started doing this yes yeah so I started to notice mm-hmm. um, uh, the way that for example Debbie and um, Isela start to do the designs because uh, I have my experience in doing early childhood uh, infant toddler and preschool uh, flips as well but the classroom, the kindergarten classroom, um, although I've been involved in those, I, I especially enjoy the thinking that goes mm-hmm. behind it because it does have to be uh, strategic, even though it feels very mm-hmm. therapeutic when we're doing it. Right. Just for the teacher, I think. Sure, sure. Um, so with that, what would you say when you go into the classroom 
a teacher's classroom, kindergarten classroom, you know, what do you, what's the feeling you are looking at, like mm -hmm. um, getting, um, what is maybe your first step? Well, what, well, you talked about it sort of feeling therapeutic, and I think that where that comes from is often, um, and, and we've had this experience a couple times where teachers say that they want something different happening in their classroom. They were, they were wanting for there to be more engagement. Uh, one of the last classrooms we were in, the teacher was saying she just she was frustrated that the children weren't that engaged, and she thought that it was because of the way the classroom was set up, that there wasn't really uh, um, authentic things for the students to be doing. She would bring something out for a little while, put it away, the students would have to ask for it. Mm -hmm. And she wasn't comfortable with that, but didn't really know where to go. So I think one of the first things um, that happens when we go in those classrooms is to get a feel of the teacher mm -hmm. and where is she at and what is she wanting. Uh, and there, there seems to be a lot of understanding that they want their students to have more autonomy, they want their students to be making choices, yeah. they want them to be really getting involved with what they're doing and, and having the, the classroom reflect who the students are. So it, it is exciting when we go in yeah. there, but the first thing is sort of to find out what where is the teacher at? Uh, because it, it really helps them, I think, to kind of say what they want and then we're just helping them to get there. Yeah, and I think you've said it um, when we go in there, you'll ask them, uh, well, first you, you ask like the, the schedule of their day. What does mm -hmm. their day look like? Yes, yes. What does their day look like? Um, and then you do say, you know, what is it kind of, you, you know, in your own uh, therapeutic way, <laughs> like what do you want to get out of right. the experience? Because mm -hmm, mm -hmm. we don't move furniture, uh, tables without the teacher feeling good about it. And I think that's right. something that we should probably mention. Yes, right. <laughs> yes. We don't just yes. go in there yeah. and completely flip it and change right. it to, to, to something that the teacher is not comfortable with. Although for some teachers, I think that's a really important point, but for some teachers, this is going a little past yes. their comfort yes, zone that's true. or what they know, yes. but they're excited about it. Yes, mm -hmm. it's, but it's with their approval. Right, oh, absolutely. Oh, yes. <laughs> it's with their, with their approval. approval. And with their invitation. Yes, they, sure. yes we're invited to sure. do this. Yeah. Um, so I know I noticed that you asked them about their schedule and how they, you know, what they're you know, mm -hmm. wanting to get out of it. Um, and part of the reason for that is because the way the room is set up has a huge influence on how the day goes. Yes. So if uh, what we do, typically what we do is we end up creating these small interest areas where students are going to be going and working in small groups. So the teacher has to be at a point where that's what she's wanting to have happen. Yeah. It's a very um, like feng shui. Uh -huh. If we can right. say that, yeah. I feel like yeah. it's a very feng shui process. And throughout the process, we are touching base with the teacher and just being, you know, straight up. And how are you feeling uh, about this? And where are you at now? And, and yes. I'm, I really do appreciate the teachers that, you know, we wanted, we want them to be honest and tell us, you know what, mm -hmm. I'm. I'm mm -hmm. feeling a little uncomfortable with this. Sure, I'm feeling sure. a little nervous about this. And we've had that. Yes. We've had that happen. We have teachers who, um, and it's, everyone is so different, yeah. and the materials they have are so different. But we have teachers who are, some are willing to go to do this and this direction. Um, and sometimes, though, what I find really amazing is sort of wonderful things come out of that. Yeah. 
um, one of the classrooms we were in recently, it was important to her to keep her refrigerator. Oh, I'm glad you're mentioning this because uh -huh. those are some of the uh, reflections I wanted to bring in with our conversation is some of the things that might stand out that the teachers um, voiced about the why, teacher's voice and their individuality and what and and that for some reason and it doesn't matter what we think about that but for some reason that that was help make her classroom comfortable yeah um and rather than it being uh an obstacle or a barrier to setting up her classroom it actually turned into one of the more creative uses i've seen of yeah. the refrigerator we um after setting up most of her classroom found that they're really we were having a hard time finding a space for dramatic play. Yeah. And dramatic play hadn't been something that was present in the room a lot. We felt it was important, yeah. and the teacher did want to have it happen, but how are we going to do that? And in this limited space where her small refrigerator had to be, she came up with the idea of, well, the children could actually use that refrigerator. So now in her dramatic play, the children can yeah. get cool, cold water, water. Pour it, you know, and, and pour it into a little cup, and actually serve themselves. And then also, really clever, the top of the refrigerator is going to be used as a stove. Yeah. Just some circles or maybe some CDs glued onto there to be the the elements. Yeah. And um, the burners. Yeah. The burners. I just think that's so so wonderful. And it's beyond what had sort of at first seemed like, hmm, you need to keep this, and we're out of room. Actually, became a real asset for setting yes. it up. Um, and I thought it was with this uh, past one that we did, it was really lovely. I always say lovely. I love that word that I started to use now more. Uh -huh. um, that there was other teachers present also in the classroom offering their ideas and getting some ideas as well. Yes. And the administrator, the principal, was there. And she was also willing to move things and willing to oh, really yes. help the teacher process out you know, finding new ideas of like where to store some of her stuff, and do you really need such right. and such materials? Sure, type sure. Of thing. But but in a very supportive way. Very supportive, and also really letting the teacher know that that she had her support. Yeah. The principal was supporting this kind of change, and 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 was very verbal about how when parents came in, what are they going to see. And, and she articulated how the, the parents were going to see a classroom where their children were going to be drawn to areas and be really engaged and be able to do things. And so often, you know, teachers aren't sure. Yeah. They're trying something new. Is this going to be supported by their administration? She brought up, because the principal brought up a point about having, I don't want to say, well, to, to justify the, mm -hmm. the move, the mm -hmm. way that the classroom was going to be set up. Sure. Because she... Um, wanted to, um, she, I, and I think it was helpful because she wanted to be there to understand our thinking of why, of where, and why you know the the areas were the way they were, yes. so that she can go back and and touch base with the with the parents if needed. It, there was a conversation she had brought up about you know making sure that the parents understand the importance of right, this. right, yes. And um, what I have found usually is that parents recognize it. Um, but sometimes they need help with that. There has been such a push on academics. Yes. And and what I think is is so wonderful is that this kind of setup actually supports academics. That you all of a sudden become a really language rich classroom. There was a classroom that we did. Maybe it was last summer. Where the no, it wasn't last summer. It was in the middle of the year because the teacher talked about a student who had not talked 
Oh, yes. Right. yes. And then she rearranges her room, and the next day, the, the young language. The, yeah, the, this child who has not really spoken in her classroom is talking because it was a different kind of situation. Um, she And I think it happened in the dramatic play area. There was a really authentic reason for the role that she was in that, that for her to talk. It wasn't answering a question, and so the... Um, I was going to say the threat level, but I don't mean that. <laughs> but just, but yes, the, yeah. the, right? Yes, the, I, I, she didn't have to worry about if she was no, right or wrong. Yeah. It was simply being engaged in the activity yes, she was doing. Yes, and it was nice to also to note that her uh, principal was uh, very supportive of of the way that she set up, that she changed yes. her, her mm-hmm. environment. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, cool. Now, what about, uh, sometimes we get some questions about what sh- what's what's one tip or a couple of tips when a teacher is going to be doing this on their own because obviously we can't go we would love to go to every kindergarten Absolutely. classroom right. invited yeah. uh, but there's mm-hmm. only a handful of us um, yeah. that can do that yeah. but if you have a teacher that wants to start some tips mm-hmm. that you can think mm-hmm. of so there's some some basic guidelines, and, and we sort of start with them, but they're not rules. Yeah. Because there's reasons when you go, well, it's not we're not going to follow yeah. this. So one is, um, what I find the easiest to do is kind of start with one area, and then you build the classroom around that and kind of get an idea of what it's all going to be. So one, though, is to think about your art area. Is it near water? If you have some linoleum yes. in your room, you might want it on the linoleum. Just it helps for cleanup, but also it helps so that the students are taking part in the cleanup, um, and so um, that they can go over to the sink, wash the brushes. That you can have a, a routine for how that's done. You can even show it with pictures. Uh, also having it in an area where you're where you're not too concerned about the floor. They can help themselves to make the decisions about what kind of paint to use, what colors they need put them in the containers and, and be a part of that. So so really taking responsibility for all of that. So the art area near some water is a good idea. Also, if possible, putting the more noisy areas on one side and the quieter areas on another. So maybe um, your block area, your dramatic play are near each other. There's other reasons to put those near each other as well because sometimes what's happening in the block area moves into the dramatic play or dramatic play moves into the block area as well. So that's some of the things to think about. You're also, um, you use the word feng shui. I think that's a such an important, you know, I don't know if we can do early childhood feng shui or something I think, like that. I think we got something there, I Debbie. Think it should Maybe be. we got something. Because how does it look for the students when they walk in? And what does that suggest to them? So there's some basic things like you don't want areas that say, let's run. Here's a nice runway to zip through. You want to see um, varying levels. So often when we go into classrooms, we have some tables that are really low. We might even have some that are sort of high and used for um, using stools for the children mm-hmm. to sit on. And that idea of choice, that you're really giving them a lot of those choices, not just of where they're going to work, but choice of what they're going to use in those areas and what's comfortable for them. We, If they're riding, we don't care if they're riding on the floor, if they're on their knees, if they're yes, I, standing I, up, as all you of were, that. As you were saying this, I'm, um, I'm reflecting that I think there is perhaps, I don't know if there's still perception or maybe this, this thinking that we need to get out of, and it's happening, I see it, that we have to write at the table. Yeah. 
that we have to sit and write at the table. Mm -hmm. And more and more, we're seeing this trend. I I know for early childhood, we've been doing it, but so I'm I'm excited that everybody else, I guess, is catching on um, with the K through 12 level, but that flexible seating Mm -hmm. concept Mm -hmm. and getting clipboards. And yeah, you can write wherever you're comfortable. I think one way to think about it too is what happens in real life? Yeah. It's not that often that I'm writing at the table. I'm sitting on my couch, I'm lying in my yeah. bed, I'm walking around with a clipboard maybe. But And so so why would we suggest that it would be any different in the classroom? Um, and actually I find that with a lot of things of how is, how, you know, um, one of the things, another thing in setting up the classrooms is we want to have opportunities for literacy in every single classroom, or excuse me, in every single center. So there's books, there's writing materials, but then you have to think about why would someone write here? Yeah. And keep it authentic. So they're not doing worksheets, but they're having to label something. They've made a building. They want to put a sign on the building. Um, you know, when you were talking about different places for writing, one of the things that we suggest for teachers to do is have magnetic word boards. Yeah. So the child can just take that word to wherever they're using it, need to use it, write it down, and then put it up there. Yes, and I, I look at um, a lot of the learning areas like um i guess for some of us that like to do our writing at a starbucks or right? at yeah. you know some lovely little garden area like all of these little um learning areas that we create that are hopefully a little inspiring for the child to be mm-hmm. to feel comfortable mm-hmm. to to do their writing and to develop more language and that's kind of what i I noticed throughout all of these classrooms is that it's very child geared, child led, child oriented. Mm-hmm. Um, the other piece that comes up is the baskets. I have to address the baskets because right. I get a lot yeah. of those questions from the teachers that why do we like to use? <laughs> why are we so crazy about now, baskets? If you haven't um, seen any of the pictures or our videos yet, so we. Uh, it, like travel, we try to collect just those brown baskets and we get them at Goodwill or at a thrift shop. Um, And we like to use those baskets for organizing the materials in the classroom. Now, I have an idea of why uh, we do that on my end. I don't know Mm -hmm. what, I don't know what your um, opinion is about why we use the baskets, Debbie. Well, I think it goes back to what does it feel like in that classroom? And so that it's a natural material, it's it's really lovely. Um, someone said, and I don't remember who it was, that um, the color in the classroom, that the children add the color into the classroom. So rather than using all this plastic, all these plastic bins, have it coming in and seeing natural materials just feels different. But also, the baskets aren't closed on top, so they can see what's in there. And um, and that's really important too, because even though people go, well, they can get into that box, they can open it, they know what's in there. By seeing it, there's just a different level of of usage of those yes. materials. So it just it 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 has it. And while baskets aren't an extreme of this, the other thing that that really helps with setting up classrooms. So yes, you, the aesthetics is huge yes. on that, and that's a big draw for it. But also um, thinking about using materials in different ways. Yeah. That's another way of being able to set up your classroom. It's creative, it's thoughtful, it gets um, e- even the, the children thinking about using things in diverse ways, and it makes possible what you might go, well, I don't have. I don't have a table, I don't have a stove, I don't have 
whatever it is, an easel. And there's always an alternative, a yes. way of doing that. And I think, too, just the practical piece is that baskets are cheap. You know, these, oh, these sure. plastic sure. bins that sometimes um, teachers might buy or somebody bought for them are from, mm -hmm. you know, a company. And they're these primary multicolored things um, that are probably expensive. They came in a set most of the time. Mm -hmm. Well, if you don't have access to those type of resources, baskets are cheap. You right. know, you're talking yes. about maybe a dollar, two dollars. Yeah. When obviously teachers are already strapped for cash as it is. So that's another plus for me mm -hmm. um, that I I, mm -hmm. I always say, well, they're, it's cheaper than buying a certain name brand mm -hmm. of containers. Right, right. Awesome. Yeah. But it's, and it's aesthetically pleasing, it's calming. And it adds to the feng shui sure. of the classroom, right. too. And, it, you know, we always we look at a basket and we go, oh, this would be a good basket for this area. Yes. This could be in another area. So it, we're kind of drawn by what what does it speak to? Yes. Which, what, what would be a good one for putting paper in? What's a good one for pencils? What's a good yeah. whatever it is? Yeah. Mm -hmm. The other piece that comes to mind is the, the idea of communal items. Yes. Where, yes, yeah. um, the children have their own, like, uh, little pocket stuff of their pencils, their pencil and their glue or whatever, perhaps in their cubby. But there's this concept of having communal items throughout the classroom so mm -hmm. that the child always has access to a writing tool, for example. Sure, sure. Or glue stick or the scissors. Right, and right. I noticed that yeah. we, we set, set up the classroom mm -hmm. that way so that when the child is at um, the block area and they're inspired to draw their structure the materials are there yep yeah, and yeah. they don't have to go all the way back to their cubby or another right spot. right and and I would even um, take a little step further and say that they do have cubbies and that is for their own personal belongings yes. it might be their backpack it might be some treasured item that they've brought um, but I would put all writing materials in the communal in a communal area because it also says that we are a community mm -hmm. and these things are all of ours um, one of the things that happens when people have their own box of crayons and their own pencil and things like that, something happens. Yeah. My one blue crayon that I loved is missing, <laughs> right? And, and, and so now there's accusations of you took my pencil or you broke it or yeah. um, I, I saw you with it, which, which aren't even necessary. And so instead it's sort of, it, it's this thing of we have, we have things set up for everyone to use because we are a community and also that um, we are, we support each other. Yeah. And if you don't know where something is, I can get it for you and bring it to you. So I think it's, it really, it, it, it helps in that there's, these activities are going on all over the place, but it's also suggesting what our culture is in that classroom. Yes. Yeah. And, and with that, it reminds me of that way that the teacher knows what she's running out of because the children uh -huh. can tell her absolutely we're almost out of glue yeah. sticks teacher mm -hmm. you know we're all, we need more pencils teacher so um keeping those things at eye level also um helps instill the, the community piece um so you know I, I i i noticed that piece as well that would be another tip i would say is you know the right. communal supplies. Right, yes, and it really helps us to not unintentionally start pitting children against each other. Yeah, mm -hmm. and then so finishing up, I noticed that um, another tip, I'm just gonna jump on this one, uh -huh. is that sometimes um, the teacher needs to think about their desk. 
Oh, absolutely. Yes. Like if yes. the desk, uh, I mean, we've had teacher, we've, we have removed teachers' desks. Yeah, quite a number. From their classrooms. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's been amazing that way. Sure, sure. Now, obviously, they do have a space to do their personal, their, the adult work, uh -huh. and, um, uh -huh. that type of stuff. They have another area. Some, some, um, school some schools have that set up. Right. Where they have like a right. little attached office area uh -huh. for them yeah um but we have removed desks now it doesn't mean that you when you go into this about redesigning your classroom <laughs> doesn't mean you have to <laughs> or, right? or maybe don't start right. with your desk right. yeah. i don't know um but just keeping that in mind sure. that your desk sure. is also a big yes. part of the there, area well and literally a big part yeah. so if you think about just the space it takes up and um you know when we have and many teachers are concerned about the room they have they want to have more areas, but their their room isn't that big, and so it's a big, bulky piece of furniture. But it's also the desk is only for the teacher usually, yeah. so it's a separation. And sometimes, because of where the desk is, almost a fourth of the classroom is separated from the students. Yeah. Now there are reasons that people like to have their desks in there in terms of materials. Sometimes they have confidential records and things like that and, and absolutely but there is ways to work around that. Yes. Yeah. Um, we've used fronts of desks for magnetic boards oh, yeah. and, and done things about that. But is there a way to reduce the separation between the teacher and the student? Um, and absolutely just like the children, the teacher does need a place for her personal belongings. Yes and things like that. Um, and, and so one of the questions we ask when we go in there is, how do, when do you use your desk? Yes. And the really great thing is most teachers are almost never at their desk <laughs> when the kids are <laughs> there. Yeah, I think it's there. only in the beginning yes. of the day for attendance, perhaps. Sure. And it just depends. On their computers, on their computer yes. computer at the yeah. end of the day. Uh -huh. um, so yeah, that would be another, another tip. Absolutely. All right, one last thing. What, what other last little tip or strategy that you one, want to One um, that I noticed myself saying the other day is, as you're setting up your classroom, get on your knees and look at it from the level of about the height of your students. And think about, so often, bring things down. We have so many things that are up high. The alphabet often is up near the ceiling. Those things, do they need to be there? Can you bring it down to their level? The only thing that needs to be up high is information for just the adults. So it's just sort of bring it down. Can you bring bulletin boards down? And to take a look at, I would stand in the door of the classroom or any corner of the classroom and go, what does this classroom say? What, what, what's being suggested just by the way the classroom looks? It's an exciting process. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And we love doing it. Mm -hmm. So more information to come. But thank you for joining us. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to my morning podcast.